My name is Daryl Johnson, and along with my wife Sharon and daughter Marissa, we've been part of the 10th Avenue Church for 23 years since we moved here from the United States. And so it is a great honor that I've been asked to give the Christmas Eve meditation tonight. Who is he? This tiny human being lying on straw in a cattle trough. Who is he? I submit to you that it is the single most important question that we can ask of the Christmas story. Who is he? Who is this one to whom shepherds bow in contagious joy? Who is this one who, a little bit later, kings will bow down, will kneel down in reverent adoration? Who is he? I submit to you, actually, that this question is the most important question anyone can ask any season of the year. Who is he? So tonight, I would like us to listen to the various answers that have been given to that question. I want us to listen to how those who had firsthand experience with him answered the question, and then listen to how he himself answered the question. Listening to what is said about him and listening to what is said by him. I, I, I know he's only a baby on Christmas Eve and cannot speak, but he did speak later. What is said about him and what is said by him. Now, as I help us hear some of those answers for the hundredth time or for the first time, I'll be working up to and spend the most time on the last words spoken by him, recorded for us on the last page of the Bible, Revelation 22:16. You might be surprised that we'll be referring to Revelation on Christmas Eve. But I think you'll discover by the time I'm through, it is the most appropriate place to look this Christmas Eve. Who is he? Well, we know his name. And in a sense, his name covers everything. It, it, it just deals with everything. At the time that the angel Gabriel announced to his mother that she would conceive a child as a virgin, the angel told her, give him the name Jesus. A few weeks later, the angel Gabriel went to his adoptive father, Joseph, in a dream and told the angel to name Mary's child Jesus and then gave a reason why the child should have this name, for he himself will save his people from their sins. He himself will save. That's what his name means. He himself will save us in every way that a human being needs to be saved. We hear what the angel went on to say about him when he told his mother she would conceive as a virgin. He will be great. He will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. We hear what the angel went on to say about him when he came to his adoptive father Joseph in that dream. The angel quoted the prophet Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which the angel then told Joseph means God with us. God with us. Even after all of these Christmas Eves that I've attended, 76 in a row, I still stand with Joseph in awe of this name, Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. He is God with us. <laughs> the little human being lying in the cattle trough is God with us. And we could spend the rest of the night thinking through the implications of that. We hear what the angel said about him that holy night when the angel preached the gospel to the shepherds watching their sheep in the fields. I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. Savior, Messiah, the embodiment of all the promises made to Israel. Lord, sovereign, sovereign over sovereigns. And we could spend the rest of the night grappling along with the shepherds with the implications of that for our lives and for the world. And we hear what that prophet who was sent before him to prepare Jesus' way says about him. We hear John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, saying, he who is coming after me is greater than I. I mean, like John is born six months before Jesus, his cousin, and then he says, but he existed before me. I'm not fit to remove his sandals, he says. This is the son of God. This is the one who baptizes in and with the Holy Spirit. And then seeing Jesus come down the road, John points at him and says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We hear what was said about him during his public ministry by other people, causing the question, who is he, to be surfacing again and again and again. What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Who is this? That even wind and sea should obey him. And on and on it goes. We hear what is said about him. But the really important thing this Christmas Eve is to listen to what is said by him. We hear him say when he was only 12 years old, we hear him speak about himself. He'd gone with his parents to Jerusalem to the feast of Passover. At the feast, his parents, after the feast, sorry, his parents head back to Nazareth, but they discover that Jesus has not been following them. They look through the caravan that is going with Mary and Joseph and they can't find Jesus. So they go back to Jerusalem. They frantically look for him and Jesus says to them, did you not know I needed to be about my father's business? My father's business. He's revealing his identity. He is the son of God the Father. He's revealing his mission and purpose in the world to fulfill the plans of the living God. As he would later say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And we hear what he said when he was 30 years old. He answered that question in a series of I am statements. We hear what he said to a crowd of 5,000 people who he had fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. We hear him say, I am the bread of life. And we hear him go on to say, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Bread of life. Very appropriate to say, given that Bethlehem means house of bread. We hear what he said when he, people witnessed him healing a blind man who, who had been born blind. We hear him say, I am the light of the world. 
we hear him go on to say, whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We hear him say what he said in that tense conversation with the religious leaders in Jerusalem. I am the good shepherd. He says the false shepherds only come to steal and to kill and destroy. I am the good shepherd. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. We hear him say what he said to the sister of his good friend Lazarus who had died and was in the tomb for four days. To Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall live even if he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Oh, mercy, we could spend the rest of the week talking about what that means. We hear him say what he said to the disciple Thomas. Jesus had gathered all his disciples in an upper room before going to the cross, And he told them that he was going back to where he had come. He's going back to the Father. And he said, you know where I'm going. Thomas, who was always wanting to know exactly what Jesus meant, says to him, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus responds, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And we hear what he says about himself years after his resurrection. I want us especially to hear what he said about himself to the Apostle John, who was Jesus' best friend in his earthly life. The year was 96 AD. It was a time of disorientation and fear in the Roman Empire. It was a time of increasing darkness and oppression by the dictator, a time of deepening darkness in the culture that was pressing in on the church. John is on the prison island of Patmos. He's on that island because the government sent him there because his preaching of Jesus was offensive to the Roman government. Jesus tells John what John had never heard before, but what are the implications of what people were saying about him on that first Christmas Eve? John, Jesus says to John, and then through John to us, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Boy, This has become more clear to me in this Christmas season as I've reflected on these words. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. I am the first and the last, he adds. It's not simply a repetition of Alpha and Omega. It's going further. It's saying, I am the first and last of any alphabet. It's going even further than that. I'm the first and last of any sequence you can come up with. And I'm the beginning and the end, he adds. Again, that's not simply a repetition. He is saying, I am before the alpha and I'm after the omega. I'm before the first and I'm after the last. The word translated beginning is the word arche. It comes into the English language in words like archetype. And arche means head or source. Wow. I am the head of everything. I'm the source of all life. The word translated end is telos. Telos means the inherent destiny of something. I am the goal of everything. I'm the inherent destiny of life. I am where it all came from, and I am where it is all going. Mercy. The little baby boy lying in the trough in the little town of Bethlehem is the head and source of everything. He is the inherent destiny of all of life, which is why he is 
inescapable. Which is why the shepherds were drawn to him. Which is why the magi later on would be willing to travel thousands of kilometers to find him. Which is why people of every strata of society at that time were drawn to him. Which is why people all over the world tonight are drawn to him. He is there in the beginning as the source. He's there in the end as the inherent destiny. Meaning... No matter what direction you turn, you're going to run into Jesus. <laughs> Meaning no one can finally run from him. No one can finally escape the source of their existence. No one can finally escape the inherent destiny of their existence. Jesus is the one great inescapable reality. But he doesn't leave it there. He goes on to say one more thing. Jesus says to John and through John to us, the last recorded spoken word spoken about Jesus, spoken by Jesus, Revelation 22:16, I am the bright morning star. It's spoken to John, not in a beautiful sanctuary like this, but in a prison island. And, and what does it mean? Why is this the last recorded word about Jesus spoken by Jesus? It was 42 years ago now in 1981, that I first heard these words. Uh oh, I had read them many times before in the last book of the Bible, but it was in 1981 that I finally heard them. That was the year that the walls began to collapse around me. That was the year of increasing darkness and deepening despair. The irony was that there's nothing in my life that would have accounted for that state of being. I was married to a beautiful woman, a partner in the gospel. God had given Sharon and I a little boy as our son. I was pastoring one of the fastest growing churches in Southern California. I was in demand to be a Bible teacher and gospel preacher in all kinds of places. And there I was engulfed in this dark cloud, wondering if I could go on. In the summer of that year, the elders of the church gave me a three-month sabbatical. And so we headed off to the mountains of Colorado for our ideal break. But to my horror, the darkness intensified. Late one night, I was reading through the last book of the Bible, and I finally heard, I finally saw, and I finally felt what Jesus is saying about himself. I am the bright morning star, and I have hung on to that ever since. In the Roman world, the morning star is Venus, the symbol of victory and sovereignty. Roman generals, before going to battle, would appeal to, for help to the morning star. Temples of the star were erected throughout the Roman Empire. Caesar's legions carried the star on their standards. By calling himself the bright morning star, Jesus is declaring his victory and his sovereignty. In the Jewish world, the morning star would recall a prophecy by a man named Balaam. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall come forth from Israel. And this prophecy was taken to refer to Messiah, who would one day overthrow injustice and oppression and bring in the shalom of God. By calling himself the bright morning star, Jesus is announcing that he has come to fulfill all of those messianic promises and that he is bringing in Messiah's kingdom. But how did that help John on the prison island, when there was no evidence, or at least no visible evidence, that Jesus is victor 
and sovereign? Well, the answer lies in the astrophysical phenomena of the morning star. That night in Colorado, I was reading a book entitled Idols of Our Time by a man named Bob Goutsfart. He was a member of the Dutch parliament and at that time a professor of economics. And that night I read these words. The morning star often appears between two and three at night when the darkness is complete. But when the faintest sign of the morning is not yet visible. Let me read that again. The morning star often appears between two or three at night when the darkness is complete, but when the faintest, faintest sign of the morning is not yet visible. Godsfarb continues. So small that it threatens to vanish. The star seems unable to vanquish the overpowering darkness. Doesn't that feel, doesn't that the way it feels at times? He goes on. Yet, when you see the morning star, you know the night has been defeated. There may be four or five more hours of night to go before you get to the morning. But when you see the morning star, you know that it is just a matter of time until the sun bursts in all of its brightness. Then Gaussfart writes this. For the morning star pulls the morning in behind it just as Jesus pulls the kingdom in behind him. That's why Jesus calls himself with this I am. It's why he saves it as the last recorded word by him. The morning star only appears when the night has reached its deepest darkness. The morning star does not appear in the day of, light of day. The morning star does not appear even in the evening. The morning star only appears when the night has reached its deepest darkness, but long before there is any visible evidence that this is the case. You see, Jesus is telling us, do not judge by appearance. There is more to reality than you can deduce. Because I have come, because I have been born in the darkness, because I have lived your life and died your death and conquered your grave, because I am there with you in the darkness, faint as my presence seems at times, you can know that contrary to appearances, the night has been defeated. Why then? Why after Jesus' declaration to Jesus and to us, do the powers of the night seem to have so much influence? Did John get it wrong? Did Jesus get it wrong? <laughs> no. Is Jesus' gospel, after all, just one more human wish dream? No, says John, a thousand times no. Then what gives? What gives is this. All the turmoil and all the upheaval in the world is happening because Jesus' gospel is true. Really? Yes. The night is being invaded by the light, and the night is resisting with all its might. I worked on that sentence a long time, so I'm going to repeat it. <laughs> the night is being invaded by the light, and the night is resisting with all its might. As long as drug lords and human traffickers can do their work in the night, they can work calmly. But once the light exposes them, they either repent or they will do everything to extinguish that light. Thomas Torrance of Scotland once put it this way. 
It is because the kingdom of God has already invaded this world and is breaking up the kingdoms thereof that evil is provoked to such bitterness and to its final desperation. What we're seeing in our time is the final desperation of evil being exposed by the light. The ferocity of the light does not negate Jesus' claim. It validates, validates the claim. The night knows it's been defeated and it's going to do everything to reverse the victory of the day. I have good news of great joy for you this Christmas Eve. A savior has been born for you. Who is he? This little boy in the little town of Bethlehem. He is Messiah. He is Lord. He is Emmanuel. He's son of God. He is the one who baptizes in and with the Holy Spirit. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and I am the bright morning star. When we see him in the picture, faint though his presence might be, we can carry on. We have hope to keep moving. Looking into the manger this Christmas Eve, I hear him saying to me and to you, I know often I and my gospel seem so small as over against the powerful ideologies that seem to rule the world. I know often that I and my gospel seem unable to vanquish the massive forces that seemingly rule the world. Look at me, fix your eyes on me, the morning star, for when you see me in the midst of it all, you know that the night has reached its deepest level of darkness. And I, even now, am bringing the kingdom in behind me. Merry Christmas. <laughs>